James chapter number four, starting with verse number one. James chapter number four, starting with verse number one. James is in the New Testament, right after Hebrews, right before First Peter. It's First Peter, not one Peter. You see, first Peter even went to fall. James chapter number four, starting with verse number one. When you find it, say amen. 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 Ain't got to say hold up. So you would stand with respect to God's word. James chapter number four, starting with verse number one. Reading from the English Standard Version, it reads as follows. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this? Your passions are at war within you. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covenant and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of our God shall stand forever. You may have your seats. Want to use for the thought on this morning when your spirit looks like world star. When your spirit looks like world star. I understand there may be a generational gap this morning, so let me explain what World Star is. World Star Hip Hop is a website that is predominantly known for all the fights that show up on its website. I've seen it in school several times that when the kids start fighting, the first thing that everybody does is pull out their phones and start videotaping the fight. You can hear the kids yelling, world star, in the background. Rather than break up the fight, there are people that will pull out their electronic device and record the fight and put it out there for everyone to see. So you now have a collection of people at conflict with one another. All right. And there are actually people that will go and click on the site to watch 
people fight one another. All right. What happens when your spirit constantly looks like it's at conflict with what God has for you? All right. That's a video that none of us want to see because it involves us in the fight. If we were in the fight, we wouldn't want anybody videotaping us. But when we see somebody else going through the fight, we're quick to record it and say, look at what they did. Why is it that our spirit finds itself at war with God? Why is it that the one who gave us life, who created us for purpose, we constantly finding ourselves wrestling against the flesh and wrestling against what God's will is for us? I'm going to give this disclaimer this morning. You may kick me out of here by the end of this sermon. But I'm going to do what God has called me to do. You ain't got to say amen now one time. If it hits you, just say ouch and just move on. Or just say amen so I don't know that you are guilty of what we're talking about. But when we look at our text today, James says some things to us that prompt us to do some things or to recognize some things in our lives. The first thing that James points out to us is that there is conflict in our lives. It's right here in the text in verses 1 through 3. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. Covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. James says that there's some fights going on. But he asks a rhetorical question. He says, What causes these fights? During this time, you have the Jews that are constantly at war with the Romans. But they're at war under false pretenses. They say that they're at war to defend the honor of their God. But the truth of the matter is, they're fighting for the fleshly desires of their hearts. And it's amazing that some of us will actually put the name of God on some things that have nothing to do with God. Come on now. I'm doing this for the Lord. No, you're doing it so that people will be able to see you. I'm singing to the glory of God. No, you're trying to find the next record deal that you can get. I'm doing this for the Lord. No, you just want people to see James says there's fights going on because you are wavering between some stuff. Why are you at war? It's real easy because the stuff on the inside of you is wrestling with what God says and what you want to do. Why do we battle with our spirit. All right. 
God gave it to us. But yet we want to battle with what God wants us to do. They used to tell me when I was young, you can't beat God in a fight. And his arms are too long. That he's going to catch you at every corner. God's so wide that you can't go around him. He's so high, you can't go over him. He's so low, you can't go under him. But yet we still try to fight these battles with God. At the end of the day, it's real simple. You are going to lose because God's will is greater than your will. God's will for your life is to transform the world. And all you want to do is just transform your feeling from sad to happy. All right. God's trying to give you joy and you just want happiness. Happiness is temporary, but joy lasts. We want happiness. God says, I've already given you joy. Why are you trying to fight the joy that I'm giving you? There's your battling. Here's why you're battling. You desire and you do not have. Right. You want some stuff, but you ain't got it. Right. But rather than going about it the right way, the text says you murder. You're willing to kill to get what you don't have. You're willing to take someone else's life for the desires of your heart that won't even produce anything in you. You want something so bad that you're willing to kill for it. And if you get it, what you gonna do with it? James is saying, you're saying that you're trying to fight for what God has for you, but instead, you want power, you want position, you want things, you want property, and you're willing to kill. These are the fights that you are have you covet and you cannot obtain you want what other folks got and you don't really know how to get it the text says you fight and you quarrel you're jealous you're envious that's what covetous means that's not my word that's what the definition says you are jealous you want it, you see it, uh-huh. but you don't really know how to get it. Uh-huh. Come on now, so fighting is the only way that you know how to get your way. Uh-huh. Wow. Out of everything that you've been through and you see what God has delivered you from, you think that fighting is the only way for you to get what uh-huh. you want. So, uh-huh. taking it forcefully. Come on, Pastor. But James calls them like he sees them. Yeah, yeah. He says you do not have because you do not ask. You do not have because you do not ask. All the things that you wanted, you could have had if you would have just asked for it. All the things that you desired, you could have had, but you did not ask for it, which means if you did not ask for it, you wasn't praying to begin with. Uh, 
You weren't talking to God about what you desired. You weren't talking to God about what you wanted. You were not talking to God about all the things that you were fighting for. But here you are at war with what God's will is for your life and what you wanted. And all you had to do was simply pray about it. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you, Lord. That's all you have to do. But instead, you're in conflict with God. Because you have not prayed to God. Alright. I'll let you catch that one all the way home. There's some problems going on in your life, in your household, simply because you have not prayed about it. Alright. Amen. There are some issues going on that could be solved if you just simply went to God in prayer. But at the same time, you say, Well, Pastor, I prayed about it. But I ain't got no answer. Look, James addresses that too. He says, you ask and do not receive. Because you ask wrongly. To spend it on your passions. Yeah, you talk to God about it. You don't have it. Because you will not use it for kingdom sake. All you would do is continue to please your flesh every single time you use what he blessed you with. Some of us been praying for a million dollars since we was like six years old. And God knows if he gave you that million dollars, he wouldn't hear from you no more. You wouldn't even know what the church house looks like. You wouldn't even know what the word of God looks like. You would never get down on your knees. You would be doing some stuff. We in church, so I got to say, you be doing some stuff. That you know would draw you further and further away from God. James says the stuff that you ask for is not going to build up the kingdom. It's simply going to build up you. Right. And what's the point of building up you when your kingdom is going to fall? You cannot build a kingdom on your own. Right. You have to adhere to the kingdom and who you... How are you going to build a kingdom in somebody else's kingdom? All right. Amen. Right. You ain't got no land. You ain't got no soldiers. You ain't got no people to submit to you, but you want to build a kingdom up for yourself on somebody else's kingdom. That's what we are doing to God. When we refuse to submit to the will of God and we're constantly at war with what God wants, our kingdom is not going to succeed. That's the conflict that we face. But sometimes some people don't realize that there's conflict in their life until there is conviction. We don't realize that we got fights and we got problems until somebody points it out to us. And James does that. This point, I don't expect y'all to say amen a whole lot. Y'all gonna be mad at me. But I love y'all. James 4, 4 through 6 says this. You adulterous people. Exclamation point. You do not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. 
Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I got mad the first time I read this. <laughs> you adulterous people. I ain't doing no cheat. I'm staying faithful. Why is the writer calling us adulterous people? But when you look at the context of what he is saying, he is saying that we have cheated on God. We have been unfaithful to God. Y'all, I'm going to read this word for word so y'all don't think that I make this up. When you look at the Greek translation, it says faithless towards God as the intimate alliance of God with the people of Israel was likened to a marriage. Yes. Those who relapse into idolatry are said to commit adultery or play the heart. Come on now. And a <laughs> hush fell over the crowd. That's it. That's it. He said to relapse, relapse into idolatry. All right. Relapse means you going back into it again, yeah. which means that we were in it before. Yeah. Yeah. We got out of it right. and we went back right. to it. Right. Or you played the harp. Yeah. I mean, you was the one going out and doing stuff. While they were still at the house. Oh. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 16 real quick. Verses 30 through 34. Depending on what version of the Bible you have, you may have some bad words. I'm going to read it from the ESV. Ezekiel chapter 16. In the context of it, Ezekiel is letting the people know that their relationship with God has been so unfaithful that he compares it to the relationship of a prostitute. And he describes this as the way that we act towards God. Uh, 16. Ezekiel 16, 30 through 34. Y'all think I'm making this up. I want you to see it for yourself. It says, how sick is your heart, declares the Lord God. Because you did all these things, the deed of a brazen prostitute, building your vaulted chamber at the head of every street, making lofty places in every square. But yet you are not like a prostitute because you scorned payment. You are not like a prostitute because you scorned payment. That means you didn't accept the payment. Adulterous wife who receives strangers instead of her husband. Men give gifts to all prostitutes, but you gave your gifts to all your lovers, bribing them to come to you from every side with your horns. So you were different from other women in your horns. No one solicits you to play the whore, and you gave payment while no payment was given to you. Therefore, you were different. 
says we weren't even on the same level as a prostitute because we did it for free and even gave gifts. Our worship towards the idol gods were giving something when we should have been giving something, but yet we we even destroyed that analogy that we worship idol gods. We did things our way. We worshiped a true God falsely that we weren't even at a stage where we could even be compared to the prophets. Come on, Pastor. That was the level of our adultery towards God. Break it down. That's how bad we were, and some of us still are. You adulterous people. That's us. Pleasing our flesh. That we didn't even do wrong stuff right, y'all. We were bad. That's conviction right there. You adulterous people! Exclamation point, which means he yelled it from the mountaintop. He says, "You said you want God, but yet your lifestyle and your actions say that you don't." All right, all right, all right. right. God's still been there with you every step of the way. But you still keep running. Yeah. I'm gonna leave y'all alone. Y'all gonna be mad. Oh, Your friendship right. with the world oh, is enmity with God. Uh-huh. Your friendship with the world is enmity with God, which means that you oppose God when you're friends with the world. If you're a friend of the world. You are an enemy of God. You're a friend of the world. You are an enemy with God. Which got me to wondering, how do we become friends with the world? The reason that you become friends with the people that you're friends with is because you have in common interests. And because of your common interests, you tend to fellowship and like one another. So you become friends. But if we are called to be after God, how do we even have a common interest with the world? How do we come to like the same things that the world likes? How do we come to fellowship with the same things that the world does? How do we get to that point? Says it right there in the text. James paraphrases something from Genesis chapter 6. Says he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he made as us to dwell with us. But somehow, some way, we find our way leaning towards the evil. We find ourselves being gravitated to the things that the world would want us to do. When God created us, he breathed his breath into us. Which means that God is in there from the start. But there's something that pulls us away from God. All right. 
because we listen and we become a part of what the world is telling us to do. But James says there's another option. You don't have to stay like that. He says, but at the gates, everything that just happened before. Because as y'all can see, we was adulterous people, we was fighting people, we was cutting people, we belonged on world stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But God gives grace. Hallelujah. But God gives grace. He's convicted us of our wrongdoing and said, Look, I don't want to give you the life sentence, but I can offer you another way. But God gives grace. Despite what we've already done, God has something else to offer us. Wait a minute. I messed up. I was unfaithful. But God says, look, we can go to counseling and figure this thing out. God's grace says, I want more for you. I want you to experience me in the realness. I want you to come closer to me. So we've got to work this thing out. But God gives grace. God gives us more grace. But here's the thing that he opposes. He opposes the proud. So for those of us that are guilty of the adultery with God, and for us to stand boldly, flat-footed, and say, I never did that. God says, I can pull out the text messages, I got the screenshots, I got the emails. I've got everything that says that you're guilty, and for you to still say you didn't do that. All right. God does not like a proud heart. But those who are humble, grace is available for you. For those of us that realize that we are guilty of what he said that we are guilty of, there is grace available for us that unmerited favor. We don't deserve God to take us back, but he does take us back anyway. We shouldn't have been having a divorce. We should have gone our separate ways. I wouldn't have got nothing because I came in there with nothing. I'm glad that God does not give us a freedom that he keeps everything. But when we come back to him, everything that was his is ours because we own ourselves and we're recipients of grace. There's the conflict. There's the conviction. And lastly, there's the change. That's three C's. That's easy for you to remember. Conflict, conviction, change. Look at where the change comes in, y'all. Verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Where does the change start? It first starts with submission yes. to God. Right, right, right. Which means that the wills that you started out with in verse number one yeah, yeah. can no longer be a part of your life. Right, right. Yeah. 
You have to submit yourself to God. Put yourself under God's rule and says, God, my will is out of the way. You do whatever it is that you need to do. You give me the instructions. It's just like follow the leader or Simon says. Y'all remember those games, follow the leader? Somebody starts out in front and whatever they do, you do. But then in the game, Simon says, you can't do anything until Simon says. You ought to be playing God says every day of your life. God says show love. God says show grace. God says show mercy. Slap your neighbor across the head. Simon didn't say it. means you should not do that. We've got to submit ourselves to God. But there's another part of that. While you're submitting to God, you have to resist the devil. All right. All right. Isn't it funny? How every time you try to do what God calls you to do, here comes Satan skipping through the tulips, trying to find you and trying to pull you away from that because he recognizes the potential that happens when you get into the presence of God. That when you submit yourself to God, he realizes all of the things that comes with that. That there's favor, there's blessings, there's grace, there's mercy, there's love, there's forgiveness. There's all of these things. How does Satan know that? Because Satan knows the word better than we do. All right, amen, amen. Yeah. Yeah. That you've got to resist the devil. And the only way that you can resist the devil is to be with the one who is opposite of the devil. That should have been your trap right about there. Because birds of a feather flock together. Yeah. We seem to know that, but yet we still hold a flock with the yeah. word. Yeah. Oh. All right. oh. We still want to do that. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And what's going to happen? He will flee. That means he's got to run. He's got to get up out of there because he realizes that there is no way that he can take your life. Somebody should have had a shot right there. The only reason that Satan is hanging around some of you is because he thinks he still has a chance. How are you living That Satan still thinks he has a chance with you. So don't make you happy. Okay. He will flee if you submit it to God and resist it to death. He's still there because you ain't resisting. You're like, I'm with God, but I still got my ear here what you got to say. You didn't already order your menu, ordered your meal, but you're still looking to see what's on the menu. That's not the way that it works. If you submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. He will get up out of there. But there's another part to it. Because if Satan is gone, who are you with? All right. Texas. Draw near to God. Which means that when Satan's out of the picture, some of us will find something different to draw to. Come on, Come on. Come on. We will find something else to draw to. Satan and fled. But now what do we have to draw to? All right. Because if Satan was out of the picture,
that means we were drawn to him. But now we have to draw to God. Yes, yes, yes. And I love what the text says. If you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. If I move closer and closer to God, God's going to come closer and closer to me. That means that when I get into his work and find out more and more about him, he realizes that I have his ear. And he wants to come closer and closer because I'm making a desire to know him. And now he wants to say, let's get to know each other a little bit better. I know we spent some time apart, but we've got to come back together. So since you're making the step to get to me, I'm going to make the step to get closer and closer to you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. But in that process of drawing near to God, there's a repentance that we have to do. The text says, cleanse your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts. Why I got to clean my hands? Well, remember in verse number one, he was fighting. Yeah, yeah. That's you right. may still got some blood right. on your hands. Uh-huh. You may still got some fight left in them hands. Yeah, yeah. But I need you to get those hands yeah, cleaned yeah. up. Because you're not going to have to do any fighting when you draw near to me. Yeah. The word says the battle is not yours to fight. Yeah. It's the Lord. Your fighting is not done with your hands like this. It's done with your hands Because that's a position of surrender that says that this is not my battle to fight. That this is God's battle that he's going to fight for me. And I'm going to fight that battle on my knees. Because when I talk to God, God in turn is going to talk to you. You missed that. You catch that one all the way home. You may not listen to me, but you won't listen to what God has to say. Be afflicted. Mourn and weep. Why would we have to be afflicted, mourn, and weep? But that's a part of that repentance process. It says an inward mourning and weeping. Why? Over the condition of our heart. The only way that change can happen is for you to acknowledge that there was a change that was needed. You acknowledge the condition of your heart. The impurity of your nature. And the various sins of your life. After a godly sort, because you were contrary to a God of infinite love and grace. You're mourning because of the state that you are in towards someone who is full of grace, full of love, full of mercy. That's where we were. As we draw closer and closer to God, we would realize that our heart was in a bad state. Because your world star standard was not up to God's gold star standard. You were looking for people to like you. 
But now you're looking for God to love you. Some of you are still looking for people to like you instead of God to love you. You are looking for people to like you instead of God to love you. People log on to social media every day posting something hoping that somebody will like what they post. The only reason they post it is to get the likes. They want to see the thumbs up going across the screen. You hear them on live feeds all the time. Share this post, click like, get your friends involved. They want to see that people are paying attention to what they're doing. Yeah. All right. But some people miss altogether the love that God is showing them without having to post anything at all. God is desiring to love us. Says so after you repent, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Which means that you acknowledge the condition of your heart. And acknowledging that your vileness, your sinfulness, your wretchedness, and seek God's grace and mercy. Acknowledging that you can't do anything by yourself. And that you need God to clean you up. That's what it means to humble ourselves, y'all. That we acknowledge our condition, acknowledge our state, and realize that we can't clean up ourselves. That's humbling. But when you humble yourself, you become exalted. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. Which means that God's going to pick you up out of your mess and sit you with princes and powers and grace and mercy. So now the scripture says, Humble yourself before the Lord, and at the proper time, the Lord will exalt you. Not Kronos, but Kairos. Chronos means this is like one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock, six. Everything goes in order. But Kairos says when God is ready, He's gonna do it. Which means that while I'm getting it together, God can exalt me to a place that I may not think that I'm ready for, but because it's God's time. He's going to put me there. That should have been your shout right there. Because you know you've been in some places that you did not belong in. But because you humbled yourself before God, God put you among people. God put you in places that you know that only God could have put you there in. Because your spirit was jacked up to walk from the floor. There's no reason that you should be in a spot where you can worship God. But you got to realize I worship because of where he brought me from. I worship because of what I've been through. I worship because of the venue that was on Worldstar. I worship because all of the pages of history that said I was an urban guy turkey trying to buy a single pie guy rascal. I was worshipped because I was a mess. And if we're honest, each and every one of us is still a mess in some area of our life. But 
we worship because the Lord is messy as we do sin. We worship because he's cleaning us up. We're worshiping because the fight that we have, he convicted us of it and said, I don't want you to fight no more. I don't want you to go through that anymore. I want you to have what I already want to give you. That's the God that we serve. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. That takes your bad yeah. and makes it good. Hallelujah. Amen. Takes your wrong. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Makes it right. Yes, takes your death yeah. and gives you grace and mercy. Yeah. Our spirits may be conflicted. But there is a way for it to change. Oh, yes. You may still be trying to fight God's will as hard as you can. But God is saying, look, I got something for you to do. And you got to do it one way or the other. I'm going to get you. Yes, Lord. Change your desire yes, Lord. to make it my desire. Yes, because everything that God has called you to do. Like it says in Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God is calling you from this conflicted state of your life because he wants to give you hope and he wants to give you a future. Because if you stay on the road, your future may not look very good. Your future may be jacked up. But you're still trying to listen to what the enemy has to say instead of fully submitting to God. If you're here today, your spirit does look like world stuff. You got conflicts all over the place. You got issues, you got problems, and you're convicted of that state that your heart is in. We want to invite you to that change in Jesus Christ. You ain't got to look at nobody else, you ain't got to worry about what they're doing. Because this is your story. This is your testimony. This is what God is doing in your life. And if you need God to work some things out in you, this is your opportunity to do so. If you're here today, why don't you come?